Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Uh, didn't follow through with the actual killing of his daughter. Maybe he stoned her, and, and when she was killed, maybe then he offered her up as a burnt sacrifice. That would certainly be the more humane, I think. I can't imagine him burning her to death, uh, but I can see being knocked out and, and then being you know, um, snuffed out that way and then doing that deed. You know, Maybe he did that. There's some that believe that he did. And there are others that believe that his daughter uh, committed a life, uh, committed to a life of chastity, and maybe served at the uh, tabernacle or in the, somehow in the service of the Lord for the rest of her life. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio for today. Jephthah's oath was foolish, and he should not have kept it. He had no right to punish or afflict his daughter in any way because of the vow he made to God. It was one thing to make and keep the vow when Jephthah believed that a cow or a sheep would come out of the house at his arrival after his victory. But when his daughter came, he should have immediately said, I have made a foolish vow, and it would be more sinful for me to keep it than to break it. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 34 and 35, But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool. Knowledge joined, Pastor Rob. For it is the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black or gray. <laughs> you can't make your hair turn any color, <laughs> no matter what you do. But let your yes be yes, and your no be no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Because we often make vows, we make oaths that we are not capable of fulfilling, and we haven't really thought it through. We don't even have the means to fulfill an oath oftentimes. So it's better for us just not to do it at all. And I've made those kind of oaths to the Lord, and uh, I won't go into it now, but there's one specifically that I'm thinking of that is, you know, the Lord has His way. Uh, the Lord had His way. And um, it's just a wonderful thing. It's it's always good to, to not vow. <laughs> but if you vow, um, you know... It, God can forgive anything, right? But it's better not to sin and to make some kind of vow that I'm not capable of fulfilling because I can't see what tomorrow holds. I can't see what the future holds. Sometimes there's things that happen in our life that prohibit us very, you know, it makes it impossible to do something, you know? I, I could make a, make a comment, you know, on a, on a day that I'm going to, I'll be at your house, you know, it's 45 minutes away, but I'll be there and I'll be here there at such and such a time and there's nobody else on the road but me and my car breaks down and I can't make it. So there's a, a good indicator that I don't have control over anything really. And so it's, it's better for me not to make a vow. But notice 
what it says here. So Jephthah, verse 32, back in our text, he advanced toward the people of Ammon to fight against them, and the Lord delivered them into his hands, and he defeated them from Aurorar as far as Minith, 20 cities, and to Abel uh, Keramim with a very great slaughter. And thus the people of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. And this is where the heartbreak comes in, because now he's flush with this victory. He's made the vow, probably already forgot about it perhaps, but he's got this great victory. And notice, when Jephthah came to his house at Mizpah, there was his daughter coming out to meet him with timbrels and dancing. And notice what the Bible says here. And I believe it says this because it's painting a picture. It's creating a type. Even though the type may not be the strongest, there is a type here that I think we'll see. Notice what it says, that she was his only child. Besides her, he had neither son nor daughter. You know, the Bible didn't have to mention that, but it did. And I think there's a reason why. It seems that the Holy Spirit may have been weaving in here this narrative of what was ultimately going to happen with Jesus, him being the only son, God's only son that is going to die and, and, and die on a cross. Now, certainly Jephthah's daughter didn't die on a cross, but uh, there's some who believe she was uh, killed and offered as a burnt offering. And um, we'll look at that in a few minutes. But uh, So we see a type here. This innocent virgin young girl was going uh, uh, was going to potentially be uh, offered as a burnt sacrifice. So it came to pass, verse 35, that when he saw her, that he tore his clothes, and he said, Alas, my daughter, can you imagine? I can't imagine this at all. If I was Jephthah and I was coming back from some victory after I've made some boneheaded vow <laughs> that I was going to, you know, the first thing that came out of my house, I was gonna, and then I see my daughter, Ariana, you know, to see her, you know, coming out. I mean, how would I, you know, honestly, I don't think I would have the guts to follow through it. I would just say, Lord, take my life. <laughs> you know, I was foolish to, to do something like that. Lord, do whatever you've got to do to me. But I will not do this. Forgive me. You know, very tough stuff. But it came to pass when he saw her that he tore his clothes. He said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low. You are among those who trouble me. For I have given my word to the Lord, and I cannot go back on it. So she said to him, My father, if you have given your word to the Lord, do to me according to what has gone out of your mouth, because the Lord has avenged you of your enemies, the people of Ammon. And I love this, because you look at the daughter, and it seems that she knew, perhaps, what her father had vowed. Perhaps she heard it before he left to go to the battle. You know, uh, and um, to me, if I were her and I heard that, I would probably hide back in the forest somewhere, uh, even after the victory, I would hide myself somewhere. Uh, but it, this, this sounds an awful lot, a lot like, you know, Isaac, you know, submitting himself to Abraham when Abraham was going to offer his son. And God, of course, intervened. It sounds an awful lot like Jesus, the only son, just like Isaac was. Now, Jesus, the only son, being offered in uh, as as a sacrifice, we, we we see the type here, and I don't think it's any mistake that it says there in verse thirty four that she was his only child. Beside her, he had neither son nor daughter; it was his only one. So, verse thirty seven, she said to her father, "Let this thing be done for me. Let me alone for two months, that I may go and wander on the mountains and bewail my virginity, my friends and I." And so he said, "Go." 
And he sent her away for two months. And she went with her friends, and they bewailed her virginity on the mountains. And it was so at the end of the two months that she returned to her father, and he carried out his vow with her, which he had vowed. And notice, it says she had she knew no man. In other words, she was uh, sexually pure. She was a virgin. And it became a custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel went four days each year to lament the daughter of Jephthah the Gilead. Now, some believe that Jephthah uh, didn't follow through with the actual killing of his daughter. Maybe he stoned her, and, and when she was killed, maybe then he offered her up as a burnt sacrifice. That would certainly be... The more humane, I think. I can't imagine him burning her to death, uh, but I can see being knocked out and and then being, you know, uh, snuffed out that way and then doing that deed. You know, maybe he did that. There's some that believe that he did. And there are others that believe that his daughter uh, committed a life, uh, committed to a life of chastity and maybe served at the uh, tabernacle or in the somehow in the service of the Lord for the rest of her life. You know, as you look at the, the passage, um, both of these views can be supported either way, and it's it's very difficult. And so, when it really comes down to it, we really don't know exactly what happened. I mean, certainly, you know, Jephthah knew that the 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 Lord forbid human sacrifice. We see that in Deuteronomy chapter eighteen, verse ten, and other verses. I got a whole list of them here, but also that a person could be redeemed with silver. In Leviticus chapter twenty-seven, it talks about how. Uh, that, that a person could be um, uh, redeemed uh, by silver for something that somebody has made a vow upon. And so I don't know if maybe Jephthah was aware of that. Maybe things had become such a, a bad state in Israel, and they certainly had. We know that the time of, ju- of the judges was a time not of great uh, going forward, but really um, a time of just kind of hanging in there and God raising up uh, whoever he could. And, but it wasn't a good period of time, and, and things were in decline spiritually and morally. Everything was in decline. And, and so it's very possible that Jephthah, maybe he knew about this. Maybe he did that. Maybe she did uh, serve the Lord for the rest of her days, uh, being unmarried and remaining a virgin. Uh, the text could support that. And the text could also support, based on what we just read, that he carried out his vows, which he vowed, which he said he would do. It's very possible that he did that. It's very hard for me to understand that, um, especially uh, Jephthah had to know that human sacrifice wasn't a good thing. But again, we, we just don't know. We just don't know. So we, if we take the text exactly what it says, it could mean that he really did what he said he was going to do. And and I'll just leave it there because there is nothing else we can do. We can think of these two different views, and you can come to your own conclusions um, my hope is that he didn't do that, but maybe some someday we will know what happened. So let's look at Judges chapter 12 really quickly. This is not going to take very long. But Jephthah, so the, then the men of Ephraim gathered together. They crossed over toward uh, Zaphon and said to Jephthah, Why did you cross over to fight against the people of Ammon and you did not call us to go with you? We're going to burn your house down on you with fire. What great brothers. What a great group of guys, <laughs> you know. And remember, this sounds an awful lot like what happened with Gideon in chapter 8, uh, 7 and 8 when uh, he went against the uh, Amalekites and the Midianites. 
he went ahead and did that and then asked Ephraim to get involved. And remember, Ephraim, uh, concerning all the tribes, they were the firstborn. They were the most prominent. And, and they were a little upset that Gideon didn't include them in the raid and, and, the, and the whole operation. And now uh, they're upset with Jephthah because he and his group went against the Ammonites and had victory but didn't include Ephraim. So Ephraim is feeling kind of sour and feeling kind of jealous that they weren't included as well. And so Jephthah said to them, My people and I were in a great struggle and the people of, uh, with the people of Ammon. And when I called you, you did not deliver me out of their hands. Now there's no record, biblically, where Jephthah made this invitation to the Ephraimites requesting their help. So we don't really know if there was or not. So nothing you can say about that. <laughs> Verse 3. So when I saw that you would not deliver me, I took my life in my hands and I crossed over against the people of Ammon. And the Lord delivered them into my hand. Why then have you come up to me this day to fight against me? Now Jephthah gathered together all the men of Gilead and fought against Ephraim. So now Gilead and Jephthah, they're fighting against you know, their, their, their brothers, the, the Ephraimites. And the men of Gilead defeated Ephraim because they said, You Gileadites are fugitives of Ephraim among the Ephraimites and among the Manassites. So the Gileadites seized the fords of the Jordan before the Ephraimites arrived. So right there in the Jordan River, a ford is a, a, a spot that is shallow. Oftentimes there's, it's, it, it can be rocky, and it's, it's not a real deep place. It's a place where it's easy to cross. That's really what a ford is. It's, it's a shallow spot where you can cross over. And so that's where people would uh, cross over when they could. They would cross over at one of the fords in the Jordan rather than somewhere else where it's deeper. It only makes sense. So the Gileadites, they, they, they waited there at the ford of the uh, Jordan River, and, and when any Ephraimite who escaped said, Let me cross over, the men of Gilead would say to him, Are you an Ephraimite? And if he said no, then they would say to him, Then say Shibboleth. And he would say Sibboleth, <laughs> for he could not pronounce it right. And then they would take him and kill him at the fords uh, of the Jordan. And there fell at that time 42,000 Ephraimites. Uh, Shibboleth literally means, uh, the word means a flowing stream. And the, the Ephraimites, and you can understand this even within uh, parts of America. You know, you can, up here in Rochester, we can say, you know, how you doing? Or how are you doing? But you go down to North Carolina, and it's how you doing? <laughs> or, you know, they'll say it with a southern draw, and you can tell by their dialect, even though it's English, that they are from North Carolina. And from somebody from Mississippi, you can also tell somebody from somebody who's, somebody who's from Mississippi, because you can tell how, how they talk, and there's certain dialects that identify them. And this is one of them that the Gileadites were able to kind of blow these guys in by just having them pronounce a certain word, because they had a problem pronouncing the S-H, the sh, sh, sh sound. They could only say uh, s. And so they gave themselves away, and it cost them their life. And so uh, Jephthah, verse 7, he judged Israel six years, and then Jephthah the Gileadite died and was buried among the cities of Gilead. And then really the, the rest of the chapter, it goes very quickly, uh, just like we saw in the very first five verses of chapter 10, um, there's not a whole lot here. So we'll just read it straight through. Uh, not a lot here. It says, After him, after, uh, after Jephthah, 
Ibzan of Bethlehem judged Israel. Now this Bethlehem is not the Bethlehem that we're thinking of. When we think of Bethlehem, we think of Bethlehem Judah. There were at least two different Bethlehems in, the, in Israel. I don't think this is the one that was in Judah. But after him, Elon, the Zebulonite, judged Israel, and he judged Israel ten years. And Elon, the Zebulonite, died and was buried at Ajalon in the country of Zebulun. And after him, Abdon, the son of Hillel, the Pyrethonite, judged Israel. And notice this. And remember when we first started, when we were looking at the third and fourth verse of chapter 10, where it talked about this judge uh, named Jair, that he had uh, 20 uh, he had 30 sons, I'm sorry, who rode on 30 donkeys. Now look at this gentleman. And Abdon, the son of Hillel, the Pyrethonite, he judged Israel. And he had 40 sons and 30 grandsons who rode on 70 young donkeys. And he judged Israel for, 80, or for eight years. Excuse me. And then Abdon, the son of Hillel, the Pyrethonite, died and was buried in, Pyre, and buried, excuse me, in Pyrethon in the land of Ephraim in the mountains of of the Amalekites. And so we see this last gentleman, and it just kind of seems like a, a familiar uh, theme that happens with men in power at this time. They, they tended to multiply uh, sons and daughters. They had big families, and that was one way to, to perpetuate uh, your power is to have many children and certainly marry those children off to certain other countries so that you could have alliances with other people groups. Uh, that was part of the reasoning, perhaps. And also having many donkeys and many sons riding on them, it just speaks of authority. And only the wealthy were able to do that. And so now he's got these 70 you know, people in his family riding around town, and everybody knows who they are. And it's just, uh, uh, just another way to you know, establish themselves. But you know, when we look at Jephthah, as, as we looked at tonight, it's, it's a really unfortunate thing. You know, he, he was a leader. And, and I love the fact that in Hebrews, in the Hall of Faith, it says, you know, time doesn't permit us to talk about Jephthah, you know, speaking of faith and, and how God used this man. And, um, you know, by faith, he, he believed that God was going to, to deliver him. And, and he certainly, one of the glaring things in his life was this foolish vow that he had made. God had given him victory over the Ammonites. And, you know, the Lord didn't require, he didn't require Jephthah to make this foolish vow. And regardless of how things turned out with his daughter, and especially if he actually followed through with what he said he was going to do, these are horrible things. You know, I would encourage you to be careful about the things that you say. One of the things as a pastor, and certainly in the position I'm in, is I realize how important my words are. And this is going to sound funny to you, but I often listen to my messages <laughs> and I listen carefully to how I stutter. I listen to how I go, um, uh, duh, you know, I, I listen to that kind of, those kind of things. And I'm like, I really, uh, I listen carefully and I listen to what I say and I try to be purposeful in what I say and meaningful in what I say, to mean what I say and to say what I mean. And for any of you who do any public speaking, you know that sometimes your mouth can run away from you. But when it comes to this, you got to be really careful, right? And so, you know, that's what happened to Jephthah. He let his his vow. He started speaking just just out of fear. He just wanted he just wanted victory. And you know, it would have been better for him to just say, "Lord, 
in my heart, this is what I want to do, but I'm not going to do it. Would you simply just very easily, you know, just give us the victory just because, you know, it's the right thing, because these people are oppressing us for no reason. They don't have a good cause to do it, and they're oppressing us. Lord, give us victory. And that would have been enough. And God says, you know what? Good. I'll do it. In fact, I'll even throw in, I'll throw in some extras, you know. <laughs> but because of our, our lack of faith sometimes, sometimes because of our, our, our frailty, we, we often like to layer things and, and make, you know, if you do this, God, then I will do this. And the Lord doesn't require any of that. So be careful when you do that. And don't make any promises to God that you can't keep. It's better not to pray that way at all. I mean, Jesus said so. We just read it in Matthew chapter 5. It's, it's written for us in the New Testament, or in the Old Testament, excuse me, in Deuteronomy and other places. There's a whole list. We didn't get to some of them. But you get the point. And so, you know, and God could use someone like Jephthah, this black sheep of the family that nobody else wanted. And that, that seems to fit the character of God. He always loves to choose that which the world doesn't really like, that which the world has cast off, that which the world has thrown away. He loves to use those base things of the world to confound the wise. He's always seemed to have done that. And, you know, that, that's good enough for me. You know, I, I love the Lord for that. I love that He is the God of the underdog, and He can do anything. And He often does the things that we're not even thinking of. Have you ever experienced that? Just, you know, something that seems impossible. You know, I'll be honest with you. One of the things recently that really shook me yesterday was we got this camera in the mail. I've been waiting for this thing. And um, it was supposed to come. It, you know, it, it wasn't even going to be here until like the latter part of June, maybe the first week of July. And then all of a sudden it comes in the mail. It was just one of those silly little things, you know, where you just ask God, you know, we did pray about that. I'm like, you know, it doesn't seem possible, Lord, because I know it's probably coming on the slow boat from China. Uh, nothing against China, per se, but it's coming from, you know, overseas, and it's got a long way to go and a lot of hands to t go through, and and then he just delivers it, you know. And it just, it really ministered to my faith yesterday, just because, you know, you pray about something and then you're, you know, sometimes you're just like, you know, it just seems impossible. And then, you know, we get this note on our door, <laughs> you know, that there's a package. And I'm like, not sure what package it is because I'm not, not expecting anything for probably at least three or four weeks. And then to, you know, track down the U or the FedEx guy and find out he had it. And here it is. And I just like, I, I just, I actually, I won't tell you. It just, it, it really ministered to me. So the bottom line is God is good and he is faithful. He is faithful. And we don't need to make um, promises that we can't keep. We can just simply ask Him because He's just a good Father. He's a good Dad. He's, he's a good God in every sense of the word. So be encouraged by that, folks. And so we'll, uh, we'll just stop there. Thank you for your patience. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. Pray that you administer to our hearts, Lord, and just keep us in your perfect peace and keep us in your will, God. And and set a, a guard, Lord, at our heart that it doesn't even have a chance to get to our mouth. Lord, may our heart be the governor over every thought, over every word that we speak. God, may it be true of us. Lord, continue to work that in me, that I would not say anything just to be speaking 
Lord, help every word to be purposeful, God. I pray that you do that in my heart and also in the hearts and the lives of my brothers and sisters. Please do that with us, Lord. And thank you for the example of Jephthah. And Lord, help uh, help warn us for what he did, Lord, that we wouldn't make those rash things, rash vows. So Lord, have your way with us tonight and all throughout the rest of this week. In Jesus' name we pray. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Judges. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.